0: Mystery our history. Hey everyone, and thank you for listening to the Mystery in Our History podcast, where we take an in-depth look at all things urban legend and conspiracy theory related and how they came to be. I'm JR Supa, and joining me, as always, is Chris Berry.
1: I tip my hat to you.
0: Better than a wave of the finger. (laughs) Much better. (laughs) All right, so on this week's episode, we're going back into our haunted series, while we tell you all about the Velisca Axe Murder House, where an entire family of Josiah Moore and two overnight guests were brutally bludgeoned to death on June 10th, 1912.
1: Nice, nice light subject to start off, you know, uh, just some family murders, so yeah. I'm ready to dive in. Well, I
0: figured after we did the Mandela Effect last week, we could really go into some, we could just use a week off, you know? just
1: so Yeah, that's fair. Getting the gritty also, stuff. Also,
0: we're, we're no longer doing Claws, we're into the Natty Light Seltzer. This week I'm having the uh, Catalina Lime Mixer. Are, are we sponsored? Calls are out, we're waiting on calls back to see if we're sponsored. Okay. Okay, yep, looking for sponsors. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, let's dive right into this. We're going to set the scene for you a little bit here. So, on a quiet residential street in the small town of Vallisca, Iowa, sits an old white frame house. On a dark evening, the absence of lights and sounds are the first indication to visitors that this house is different from all the other homes around it.
1: <laughs> yeah, the first thing is it's in the hi- it's in Iowa. Like nobody lives in Iowa. <laughs> no, nah, I'm, I'm just kidding. Shout out to Iowa. No, you're I, you're Iowa's, all wonderful.
0: We, we love Iowa as long as they're listening to us. <laughs> <laughs> but every, no one lives there. Every city that listens to that's, us, we like.
1: <laughs> that's next episode. We talk about how Iowa doesn't exist. Exactly.
0: <laughs> it's a conspiracy. <laughs> anyway, upon closer inspection, you'll notice its doors and windows are tightly closed and covered. An outhouse in the backyard suggests that this house does not occupy a place in the 21st century, but somehow belongs in another era or another story.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm not 100% certain when indoor plumbing became a thing, but I think it was like the 20th century, maybe. Maybe even the 21st century. I don't even know. Well,
0: I mean, they didn't even have it in Roswell with uh, what's-his-face in the freaking shack that he was living in next to the sheep yeah. shack.
1: That's right, yeah, like in the yeah, exactly. So, um,
0: but a weather-beaten sign hanging from the decrepit front porch warns rather than welcomes. This is the murder house.
1: <laughs> well, that's kind of them. I wish more people warned others that they were going to kill like that. It's a nice sign on front that says yeah. "murder house." Yeah, keep that's,
0: out. That's what it is. <laughs> so so visits by paranormal investigators have proved uh, provided audio, video and photographic proof of paranormal paranormal activity. Tours have been cut short by children's voices, falling lamps, moving ladders and flying objects. That's always fun. <laughs> Psychics have confirmed the presence of spirits dwelling in the home and many have actually communicated with them. So I don't buy the whole psychic thing. I totally believe in ghosts i think that there's some spirits that are out there doing shit but the whole like psychic i can communicate with the afterlife stuff is a little far-fetched for me
1: no no and and honestly that's where we differ too because like i'm a big conspiracy guy but i'm so skeptical on ghosts Mm. it's like everyone and their mother are trying to find these things and and like you just you never get the results you want you know i
0: don't like the like the shows and stuff either because like there could be a ghost in a property or in some place right but mm-hmm. it doesn't mean that when these paranormal hunters are going to check out this this place that they're going to have an interaction you know what right, i mean right. but but they're there they're not coming back so you know what i mean like it's it's tough to to say what's real and what's not with those shows but i i 100% believe that there's ghosts and stuff out there
1: that's fair. I'm on the fence. Yeah, that's fair. Hung jury for me. Well, let's let's see where you're at
0: after this episode. All
1: right. <laughs> Check it out.
0: All right, so let's we're going to talk a little about the town of Vallisca. So in the early 1900s, Vallisca, Iowa, a Midwestern town of 2500 people, was flourishing. <laughs> Businesses lined the streets and several dozen trains pulled into the depot on a daily basis. According to D.N. Smith, a Chicago Burlington Quincy Railroad employee, Villisca meant pretty place or pleasant view.
1: <laughs> so it's funny because when I first heard that, I was just like, 2,500 flourishing? And I was just like, yeah, right. And I was like, wait, this is the 1900s. That That's actually pretty good. <laughs> it's 1900s
0: <laughs> so, and it's Midwest.
1: Right, yeah. So they're doing pretty all right.
0: <laughs> Not bad.
1: More than the 60 in the next town over. Exactly. <laughs>
0: So in 1912, the town built the only publicly funded armory in the state of Iowa. The company housed there participated in the 1916 Mexican Expedition, World War I, and World War II, as well as the Korean and Vietnam Wars. During World War II, Montgomery County lost more men per capita than any other county in the United States, and Velisca surely contributed several of her own to that number.
1: So they lost them in the war? Yeah. Is, yeah, okay. I, I don't know why I had such a hard time co- comprehending that when I, when I was reading it earlier. I was just like, lost to what? The war. The it, thing you're talking about. Because whole that, that
0: whole thing that I just said was like one and a half sentences. <laughs> There's just <laughs> punctuation problems. So, unfortunately, for the citizens of this close knit community, however, these accomplishments are going to forever be sh- overshadowed by the horrific deaths of eight of their own. On june tenth, nineteen twelve, a tranquility of this pretty place was shattered by the discovery of the Vallisca Axe Murders. The Moore family, well known and well liked Vallisca residents, and two overnight guests were found murdered in their beds. Little known to its residents was the possibility that their own that their town was named not after a pretty place, but for the Indian word Wallisca, which means Evil spirit,
1: fun, fun. So the natives are foreshadowing that's yep. uh, everything going on. They're just like you, dumb idiots. You didn't name your town that. Thanks for well, taking we'll our land. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Have fun. Have fun with your pretty place. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> Jeez,
0: that's awful, isn't it?
1: Yeah, but who could blame them? Yeah.
0: So the crazy part is, to this day, the murders were never solved.
1: Hmm, that's uh, that's that's pretty sick, and uh, unsolved mysteries always leave a good fuzzy feeling. Well, exactly.
0: So you have a heinous crime, and no justice was ever done, which is like the perfect recipe for a restless spirit.
1: Right. Right.
0: So let's talk about the crime. Lena and Ina. Great names. Yeah. (laughs) So so original. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> Rolls right off the tongue. Uh, th- damn, we had a second one? What do we name that one? Uh, okay. Ina. Let's
0: yeah. just, just take away the first letter.
1: <laughs> Call it a day. Oh, God. Uh,
0: Lena and Ina Stillinger, the daughters of Joseph and Sarah Stillinger, left their home for church early Sunday morning. They planned on having dinner with their grandmother after the morning service, spending the afternoon with her, and then returning to her home to spend the night after the Children's Day exercises concluded. The girls, however, were invited by Catherine Moore to spend the night at the Moore home instead. Prior to leaving for the exercises, Mrs. Moore placed a call to the Stollinger home to ask permission for the girls to stay overnight. So they placed a call. So they have telephones, but no... Plumbing. Plumbing.
1: (laughs) Not yet. (laughs) All right,
0: whatever. (laughs) Anywho, Blanche lena and ina's older sister told mr moore that her parents were both outdoors but she would pass the message along to them
1: god it's like michael and pikel there but uh, anyway but yeah so everything everything seems like they're in check here the daughter's you know asking for a sleepover dad made sure to let them know so far so good but, I mean, I, I, I feel like I know how this ends. So.
0: Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's called the Axe Murder House, so.
1: <laughs> <laughs> they all got Axe presents. Exactly.
0: All right, so the Children's Day program at the Presbyterian Church was an annual event that began approximately at 8 p.m. on Sunday evening, June 9th. According to the witnesses, Sarah Moore coordinated the exercise. All of the Moore children, as well as the Stollinger girls, participated. Josiah Moore sat in the congregation. The program ended at 9.30 p.m., and the Moore family, along with the Stallinger sisters, walked home from the church. They entered their home sometime between 9.45 and 10 p.m.
1: So, nothing too whack yet, but uh, this is a this is pretty solid build-up. <laughs> it's not bad.
0: <laughs> the following morning, at approximately 5 a.m., Mary Peckham the Moore's next door neighbor stepped into her yard to hang laundry. At approximately seven AM, she realized that not only had the Moors not been outside, nor the chores began, but the house itself seemed unusually still. Between seven and eight AM, Mary Peckham approached the house and knocked on the door. When she received no response, she attempted to open the door, only to find it locked from the inside. After letting out the Moore's chickens.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Gotta let their chickens <laughs> sorry, out. Sorry. Caught
0: me off guard. I I write these outlines and I still get caught off guard sometimes.
1: <laughs> this is le- a good neighborly thing to do, you know? I know, right?
0: After letting out the Moore's chickens, Mary placed a call to Josiah's brother, Ross Moore, setting into place one of the most mismanaged murder investigations ever to be undertaken.
1: It, but you know what? mary sounds lovely i I think we all can use it i think we can all use a mary living next door you know mary's doing wellness checks she's letting chickens out she's getting family involved when she's getting concerned you know i I think we all could take pointers mary
0: mary gets neighbor of the year award
1: yeah I'd i'd happily take a mary next door
0: now speaking of mary Based on the testimonies of Mary Peckham and those who saw the Moors at the Children's Day exercise, it is believed that sometime between midnight and 5 a.m., an unknown assailant entered the home of J.B. Moore and brutally murdered all the occupants of the house with an axe.
1: So it's just like a nobody entered, huh? That's that's already that's already
0: Well, so we're going to—I I, want to take a pause here for a second because mm-hmm. um, like— Another podcast that I love, um, there's something that I want to touch on here because it's very important. There are two types of cops, right? Mm. There are super cops out there that are detrimental to solving some of the worst crimes on the planet. And then there are crimes that get committed and never solved because of the blatant incompetence of the police force handling it. And this situation is the latter, unfortunately. Mm. And here's why. Once the murders were discovered, the news traveled quickly in a small town. As neighbors and curious onlookers converged on the house, law enforcement officials quickly lost control of the crime scene. It is said that up to 100 people, 100 people, Trapes through the house gawking at the bodies before Velisca National Guard finally arrived around noon to cordon off the area and secure the home.
1: Uh, Like it's funny because like you want to say like oh thank God that doesn't happen anymore, but it still does. Like you still have things like this. Gross incompetence.
0: Gross incompetence. for,
1: For example, like uh Sean Benet Ramsey, like, in the 90s, like, that was another one where it was just, like, neighbors and, like, everyone was just coming in. And then, oh, it was just, nothing was roped off. But, yeah, it still happens, even today.
0: It's crazy. So, the only known facts regarding the crime scene are as follows. Eight people had been bludgeoned to death, presumably with an axe left at the crime scene. It appeared all had been asleep at the time of the murders.
1: Dude, that's awful. Like, being brutally murdered in your sleep, where you think you're safe? Yeah. That's just barbaric, man. Barbaric. Yeah.
0: Doctors estimated the time of deaths as somewhere shortly after midnight. Curtains were drawn on all of the windows in the house except two, which did not have curtains. Those windows were covered with clothing belonging to the Moors.
1: Yeah. Only two type of people do that kind of stuff, and that's killers and methods, so... <laughs>
0: All of the victims' faces were covered with the bedclothes after they were killed.
1: (laughs) Yikes, man. So whoever
0: did this killed them and then just covered them up.
1: Yeah, that's mental illness right there. You can do the act, but you can't live with the... Yeah, Yeah, you Uh. can't
0: look at what you've done. Right. A kerosene lamp was found at the foot of the bed of Josiah and Sarah. The chimney was off and the wick had been turned back. The chimney was found under the dresser. Of the, the chimney of the actual um, lamp. It's like a piece of the lamp is called the chimney.
1: Gotcha. I was like, what do you mean the chimney's off? Mm-hmm. I was just like, did, do you like shut the vent outside? Okay, that yeah, makes sense. So, so, like, much
0: the, lamp, more sense. the lamp had been taken apart.
1: Yeah, okay.
0: A similar lamp was found at the foot of the bed of the Stellinger girls. The chimney was also off that. Okay. The axe was found in the room occupied by the Stallinger girls. It was bloody, but an attempt had been made to wipe it off. The axe belonged to the Moors.
1: Yeah, and like back then, that was enough to cover up the crime. Just yeah, I'll wipe it clean.
0: So, they were murdered. Not only were they murdered, but they were murdered with their own axe. Yeah, which is yeah. terrible. And but whoever did it was like, nah, I'm gonna leave this here. <laughs> <laughs> The ceilings in the parents' bedroom and the children's room showed gouge marks apparently made by the upswing of the axe.
1: Jesus. The big—so these are like big overhead swings coming down on your face. Yes,
0: but that's—what what strikes me as is, is interesting there is if that's the case, after the first person's murdered, wouldn't everybody else have heard like an axe taking a chunk out of the ceiling?
1: Yeah, I guess, right? You know what you, I mean? I mean, you would think at least.
0: So that's that's a little weird.
1: Maybe the house was already haunted.
0: It's possible. <laughs> <laughs> a piece of a keychain was found on the floor in the downstairs bedroom.
1: <laughs> I keep, I keep every time I hear about the keychain, I'm just thinking it's like an airport tchotchke keychain, <laughs> like a flamingo keychain or something. It's just like, what is this?
0: It's most likely the keychain of like a pocket watch.
1: Yeah, yeah. That makes more sense. More more time appropriate.
0: A pan of bloody water was discovered on the kitchen table, as well as a plate of uneaten food.
1: And no one finished that. <laughs> he didn't finish that before he left. Like, like so. It's how? Good. But how
0: fucked up is that? Like, yeah. Okay. So you, you so like you go and you kill all these people, then you clean yourself mm-hmm. up, then you make yourself a plate of food, and decide, you know what? I can't eat this. I'm out.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and, like, to sit down and, like, have cleanup efforts after, like, you right. don't want people to see you walk around town all bloody.
0: All of the doors in the house were locked.
1: Yeah, I mean, Which... same. If I were in their, their shoes, same, right?
0: But how does the person get out?
1: Uh, yeah, I guess you can't lock the door behind you.
0: Unless you have the key, maybe, I don't know. But I didn't find anything about one of their house keys missing, so...
1: Yeah, these aren't modern locks, Right. Yeah.
0: The bodies of Lena and Ina...
1: (laughs) Michael and (laughs) Peichel. Yep.
0: Stollinger were found in the downstairs bedroom off the parlor. Ina was sleeping closest to the wall with Lena on her right side. A gray coat covered her face. Lena, according to the inquest testimony of... Dr. F.S. Williams, quote, lay as though she had kicked one foot out of her bed sideways with one hand up under the pillow on her right side, half sideways, not clear over but just a little. Apparently, she'd been struck in the head and squirmed down the bed, perhaps one-third of the way, end quote. Lena's nightgown was slid up and she was wearing no undergarments. There was a blood stain on the inside of her right knee and what the doctors assumed was a defensive wound on her arm. Gross.
1: To, yeah, like this hits close to me because it's just like a true nightmare for me. It's like one of the biggest fears, right? Letting your kids stay over their friend's place thinking and, they're safe or whatever and then, you know, going to bed thinking everything's okay. You're just going to go yeah. eat, pick them up and then, you know, you find out they're, they're gone. And yeah. it's just absolutely the most horrifying scenario in my book that yeah, like i it's,
0: could it's heavy
1: mm.
0: but wait there's more oh great <laughs> yeah dr lindquist the coroner reported a slab of bacon on the floor in the downstairs bedroom lying near the axe weighing nearly two pounds it was wrapped in what he thought may be a dish towel a second slab of bacon about the same size was found in the ice box
1: okay all right. These so are the, these are the facts. <laughs> so, do we know what happened to the bacon? Was it later eaten? I mean, I hope it didn't go to waste. I'm assuming that's, it went to waste. Uh, there's there's that's a very two pounds chance it went dude. to waste. That is two pounds of perfectly good bacon. Yeah. That's a shame.
0: And <laughs> lastly, Lindquist also made note of one of Sarah's shoes, which he found on Josiah's side of the bed. The shoe was found on its side. However, it had blood inside as well as under it. It was Lindquist's assumption that the shoe had been upright when Josiah was first struck and that the blood ran off the bed into the shoe. He believed the killer later returned to the bed to inflict additional blows and subsequently knocked the shoe over.
1: This is like an axe murder equivalent of a double tap here. Just making sure you finish the job. (laughs) Now,
0: it's important that we also realize that in 1912... Fingerprinting was a fairly new venture, and DNA testing was unimaginable at this time. So although a local druggist had the forethought to attempt to enter the crime scene with his camera, he was promptly thrown out. <laughs> <laughs> of yeah. all the people that you <laughs> let through this
1: friggin' traipse through this house,
0: you throw out the guy with the camera that can record <clears throat> the crime
1: scene. Right. Right. What were they thinking? Also, I believe you're you're a fan of John Mulaney. But this reminds me of one of the best comics out there today. I agree with you. But this reminds me of his joke where he's just like they didn't have DNA. They would just, you know, do the chalk outline and then be like, oh, we found the puddle of blood over there. You're like, gross. Clean that up. Now, back to my hunch. <laughs> just sit there. And <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, because that's what you did. You didn't yeah. have, you're like, what can you do with the pool of blood? Nothing. Right, nothing. You just go, oh, Can't maybe test someone it. died there. Yeah. yeah.
0: Now, it's quite probable that even if the crime scene had been secure, the evidence would not have provided any real clues. There was no central database of fingerprints, so even if they had recovered one, the murderer would have had to have been apprehended for a comparison.
1: Yeah, and, and exactly, we we just weren't really there yet with anything. It's so early.
0: So now we have the crime. What comes next is the coroner's journey. Ju- I'm sorry, the coroner's jury inquest on June 11th. So this is the next day after the bodies have been discovered, and again, this is like it is what it is at this point because you can just chalk up the gross incompetence of. The Valiska, sheriffs or whatever their their titles are, but like it's done. You're already done. No one's ever finding out what's going on here. But here we go. Yeah. The county coroner, Doctor Lindquist, arrived at the scene of the crime at approximately nine a.m. Several hours after the discovery of the murders. After viewing the crime scene himself, he later met with John Henry Hank Horton. <laughs> The night watchman and Sheriff Orrin Jackson to review the information they had collected.
1: You know things are getting serious when they call Hank. Call you know, Hank. Hank in. Yeah, get Hank in here. This is a real crime. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Although Lindquist called the members of the coroner's jury together in the late afternoon, it was several hours later before they actually entered the Moore home to review the bodies. And after 10 p.m. before he and county attorney Ratcliffe finally gave permission to the undertaker to remove them. So they were at that house all day. Those bodies were there for almost like 24 hours before they were removed. Yeah, yikes. And the fire station had been set up as a temporary morgue. And it was close to 2 a.m. before all of the bodies had been transported there.
1: That's crazy, too, because like this you got to remember, like this is a time before an ambulance. So mm-hmm. like it was either a horse drawn cart or by hand that you're going yeah. down there. And uh, it, and this is a little off topic here, but it, it's just so weird to think about that. I've, I found a couple of like uh, old letters not too long ago. Mm-hmm. And in one of them, somebody wrote somewhere and was just like, I can't make it uh, this month for a visit. My horse carriage wheel broke and i had to go back to town and that was it that was just the end of the trip like you had to go back home like wild it's
0: nuts so on june 11th the coroner's jury conveyed for the inquest 14 witnesses were called to testify and they included mary peckham the moore's next door neighbor and the first one to notice anything amiss at the house ed Selly, employed by josiah moore at his implement dealership Arrived to tend to the animals, Doctor J. Clark Cooper. Cooper was the first physician to enter the Moore home after the murders. Edward Landers, summer visitor to his mother's home near the Moore house. This guy did it, by the way. I don't care what anybody says. This is my guy. I'm calling it. I'm calling <laughs> it that. It's him.
1: So that's not proven. That's just you're your sl- your slinging accusations. This is
0: absolutely, dude.
1: <laughs> summer visitor mm-hmm.
0: nearby. Right, yeah. So he's around, he's seeing kids, he's not from there, he's probably a mm-hmm. pedo or some fucking weirdo, right? He <laughs> sees all this stuff going on and he's like, you know what?
1: Perfect. And then he's just <laughs> like,
0: I'll, I'll act like a witness, though I'm not suspected. It's, it's the perfect crime for
1: 1912. That's, you're, not, you're not wrong.
0: I mean, it, and this guy's never even like thought about for the rest of this story, but this is my guy.
1: <laughs> you're just convinced it's him
0: it's, I'm, I'm convinced it's him because right. of the lack of inquiry into him I'm convinced that's fair Dr. F.S. Williams Dr. Williams was the physician that actually examined the bodies of the murder victims and then the marshal and the family members of the victims so those were all the people that were inquired if you will, they were brought in for yeah. the inquiry They're questioned Yeah. exactly so, now let's get into the suspects, right? Because uh, right. I, I just I just voiced my opinion on my suspect. <laughs> While no one was ever convicted of the Villisca Axe murders, there seemed to be no shortage of suspects. In the days following the crimes, you could have read about at least four possibilities in any edition of the newspaper. Many of the leads, however, were quickly exhausted, and as time wore on, they began to dwindle.
1: So... Uh again it it's hard when you can't get a sol- you can't get solid evidence on these people yeah so again it's all just down to hunches and what you think and you're gonna have a really bad time trying to convict someone on a hunch man <laughs>
0: you're so gonna have a bad time
1: you're gonna have a real bad time
0: <laughs> so today historians and those who have studied the axe murders extensively seem to be made up of three camps I am in a fourth camp <laughs> <laughs> um there are many who believe that Frank F. Jones, a prominent Vallisca resident and Iowa State senator, was responsible for the brutal deaths of the Moors and the Stollinger children. Others adamantly insist that a crazed Reverend George Kelly was the culprit, and still others believe the Moore murders were the work of someone totally unrelated to the town of Vallisca, a possible traveler, hobo, or serial killer named Edward Landers, summer visitor to his mother's home near the Moore house. <laughs>
1: <laughs> see i mean this is this is kind of where i sit because it, like we we didn't track people back then like we do today like yeah. we know listen the, go- the government knows where you are pretty much at all times and if they don't if they're not currently tracking you they're gonna find out they have where a way. you were yeah exactly they're gonna know where you were um so i mean that's that's my conclusion i feel on this is like it was probably someone not related to the town at all uh, past yeah alive. i mean it's i don't it's... know
0: Perfectly plausible. Yeah. So, it's... all right. So, let's start with Frank. Frankie Jones.
1: All right. Let's do it, Frank.
0: All right. Big Frankie, Frankie yourself. Jones. <laughs> Josiah Moore worked for Frank Jones at the Jones store for several years until he opened his own implement company in 1908. According to Villisca residents, Jones was extremely upset that Moore had left his employee and managed to take a very lucrative John Deere franchise with him. Dun, dun, dun. Rumor was that Moore had an affair with Jones's daughter-in-law, Donna, which further fanned the flames. Detective Wilkerson of the Burns Detective Agency openly accused Frank and his son Albert of hiring William Mansfield to kill Joe Moore. Neither Jones was ever arrested, and both denied vehemently any connection to the murders.
1: See, that see the thing that sucks here is just like all they have is motive. There's no evidence at all that None. he did anything. None whatsoever. And like, listen, I'm pretty open about who I dislike usually. And this and guy's so a state like, senator
0: too, so he's got a lot of connections.
1: Right, right. So, so even if he
0: did do it, like, how are you gonna prove it?
1: Right. So there's just no evidence unless he was a bacon lover. Now do do we <laughs> did you we ever find out what happened to that bacon?
0: No. no, we no we have
1: no idea what happened. Just assume the bacon was trash. Uh okay, I'm gonna try, but I I can't promise I'm gonna get over the bacon. So Okay. I,
0: I understand. I love bacon just as much as the next guy. <laughs> two pounds of bacon going to Two pounds, away is, dude. That's what a I'm saying. Big deal.
1: That's that's big money. Probably uh, back then even. It's big money today.
0: Suspect number two. <laughs> just fucking ridiculous. Suspect number two. William Blackie Mansfield. Now before I go any further <laughs> Uh, number one, William Mansfield is an extremely white individual. Number okay. two, I still don't know why they called him Blackie.
1: Did you need a reason that, then?
0: I guess not. Black Mansfield. <clears throat> William Mansfield of Blue Island, Illinois, was the prime suspect of the Burns Detective Agency of Kansas City and Detective James Newton Wilkerson. According to the Wilkerson Investigation... The murder of Joe Moore and the other occupants of the Moore home were committed by Mansfield, who was in turn hired by Frankie Frank Jones. Mansfield was also known as George Worley and or Jack Turnbaugh. According to Wilkerson, Mansfield was a cocaine fiend and a serial killer. Wilkerson also believed Mansfield was responsible for the axe murders of his wife, infant child, father-in-law, and mother-in-law in in Blue Island, Illinois, on July 5, 1914, two years after the Velisca murders. The axe murder committed in Paola, Kansas, four days before the Velisca murders, and the murders of Ginny Peterson and Jenny Miller in Aurora, Colorado but they're
1: just accusations. That's Again, all I got. No, like, That's all I got. He's they not, just believe he's, not convicted. he's the
0: guy. They have just as much evidence against this guy right now as I do, claiming that Edward Lander, summer visitor to his mother's <laughs> home near the Moore House, is the guy that did it. <laughs> right,
1: right. Like, the only thing that, like, kind of draws me to, like, Mansfield here is the, the cocaine He's a fucking psychopath.
0: Part. He's a psychopath, but, dude if you I'll, I'll i'll throw up a picture of him for you guys he dude's right. a psychopath
1: <laughs> but i mean like even if he was a cocaine fiend i believe isn't this a time period where like co- cocaine was in coca-cola like yes that the same time period so it's, uh, it's not illegal close
0: close to the same time period i don't know exactly when but yeah, yeah. cocaine was a hell of a drug for a very long yeah. time now, according to the Wilkerson investigation, all of the murders were committed in precisely the same manner, indicating the same man committed them, which makes sense. There's, you know, people have an M.O., right? Serial killers have yeah. a, a, an M.O. Wilkerson stated that he could prove that Mansfield was present in each of these places on the night of the murders. In each murder, the victims okay. were hacked to death with an axe and the mirrors in the homes were covered. A burning lamp with the chimney off was left at the foot of the bed, and a basin in which the murder washed was found in the kitchen. In each case, the murder avoided leaving fingerprints by wearing gloves, which Wilkerson believed was strong evidence that the man was Mansfield, who knew his fingerprints were on file at the federal military prison in Leavenworth. Mm. I mean, Uh, that is at least something to go on.
1: Yeah, so, uh, there's no, no, you're right. Honestly, it's too much of a coincidence to have all those same things match up there um yeah he definitely sounds like a scumbag uh, right potentially a murderer it's but the only know. the only thing that this guy has
0: on blackie is the glove thing right no fingerprints so if this guy know you know what i mean but how many people's fingerprints are on file at leavenworth at this time you know what right. i mean or anywhere else you know so like Granted, there's no, how- there, there's no database, but there's still enough people who are smart enough to be like, oh, shit, I can't, like, get caught again.
1: Well, yeah, and again, like, how do you cross-examine that stuff back then? You know what right. I mean? Like, the only way is to go there with a fingerprint, sit next to another one, go, oh, uh, Right. Maybe.
0: Right, exactly. Now, Wil- Wilkerson managed to convince a grand jury to open an investigation in 1916, which is four years after this took place. And Mansfield was arrested and brought to Montgomery County from Kansas City. Payroll records, however, provided an alibi that placed Mansfield in Illinois at the time of the Valisca murders. He was released for lack of evidence and later won a lawsuit that he brought against Wilkerson and was awarded $2,225. Wilkerson believed that pressure from Jones resulted not only in Mansfield's release, but also the subsequent arrest of the tr- and trial of Reverend Kelly. So Frankie Frankie Jones essentially got Mansfield off, is what they're saying.
1: Yeah, and you know, I, I buy that. When I was reading this, I, I think I misinterpreted it a little bit, but um, I, I, did, I mean, if the alibi puts him in the town during the murders...
0: Well, the alibi says he was in Illinois... But, oh right, right.
1: The other I, the other I state, not mm-hmm. Iowa. See, they're, I'm just mixing them up now. That's that's the Midwest. Okay.
0: They're all the same freaking states. So his but alibi checks. We love you guys. We out. love everyone out there.
1: <laughs> right. Right. Yeah,
0: his alibi checks out exactly. But it doesn't mean that he actually had an alibi. It just means, like, according to Wilkerson, what he's saying is, is that Frankie Jones leaned on some people to just get he's, the case thrown out.
1: He's pulling strings. Yeah. Frankie's pulling strings. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. So let's go to suspect number three the Honorable Reverend George Jacqueline Kelly. And it's actually J A C K L I N. Jacqueline.
1: Jacqueline. Okay.
0: The other prime suspect in the Axe murders was Reverend Kelly, a traveling preacher. Kelly and his wife settled in Macedonia, Iowa in 1912 after several years of preaching throughout the Midwest.
1: Okay, I mean, it sounds innocent enough.
0: Yeah, so far, so far, so good. In <laughs> <Now>
1: nineteen,
0: <laughs> <laughs> in nineteen seventeen, Kelly was arrested and charged with the murder of one of the victims of the Veliska axe murders. Why one? I don't hmm. get it. But anyway, yeah. Kelly was invited to attend the Children's Day exercise at the Presbyterian Church on June 9th. so he was there. His presence in Velisca on the night of the murders and his subsequent departure in the early hours of June tenth made him a prime suspect in the case.
1: See, I thought he wasn't at the at the um, at the exercise. Yeah, he was Children's Day exercise. Okay, I was about to say because that's the most suspicious thing if he wasn't there, right? Like, right. Why would he not show up? A, it's it's God stuff, and B, kids, right? right. Like preachers love that shit. Wet dream. <laughs> Wow. Took a hard hard right turn there. Just going to say it how it is. All right. 2019 has not been a good year for the (laughs) church. I'll tell you that much.
0: The last few years haven't been, but Kelly's supposed quote-unquote confession made a mockery of law enforcement practices at the time and was withdrawn before his trial even began. Kelly's first trial resulted in a hung jury, and he was finally acquitted by the 2nd. According to information presented by Kelly and Tammy Rundle, Kelly moved to Kansas City, Connecticut, and, finally, New York. Sorry, there should have been commas there. Kelly moved to Kansas City, Connecticut, and, finally, New York City. The remaining years of his life and his final resting place remains a
1: mystery. There's no Kansas City, Connecticut? Such an asshole I am. (laughs) I write these outlines. (laughs) So, okay, so, I mean, this guy has no prior offenses. There's no solid evidence against him. Eh, just so, right,
0: wrong place, right time. Yeah, so I can
1: see why. The, I can see the hung jury. That makes yeah. sense.
0: Well, and, and what's not in here really is, um, like, his he confessed, right? They, they got him to confess, but in the most unprofessional way humanly possible. Like, they might as well oh. have just waterboarded the guy until he just said, yeah, I did it. Okay, please make it stop
1: probably yeah one of those we we beat you and keep you in inhumane yeah. conditions until you say whatever we want you to say correct to, to yeah fuck that shit that right yeah like that's and it's
0: again another little tip of the cap to the friggin police force in here yeah.
1: dirty yeah.
0: so next suspect henry lee moore and no relation
1: yeah that already is suspicious yeah. lock him up
0: <laughs> no relation. <laughs> <laughs> there existed a strong possibility that a serial killer was actually at work in the Wilkerson's case against Mansfield actually suggested the same. M.W. M. W. McLa- M- w. McClory, a federal officer assigned to the Villisca case, actually announced in May of 1913 that he had solved not only the Villisca murders, but 22 other others that had been committed in the Midwest around the same time frame. McClary's theory was that Henry Moore was the serial killer responsible for all of the crimes. Now, Moore was actually convicted of the murders of his mother and maternal grandmother in Columbia, Missouri, just months after the Vallisca murders. Moore's family members were killed just as brutally as the victims in Velisca and his weapon of choice? An axe.
1: So, I mean, that's grounds for pinning the murder on him. Or was he just passing through? I, I guess that was really up to debate, right? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Other suspects also include Andy Sawyer, Joe Ricks, and even through 1931, more and more confessions and suspects came rolling in. None of which were taken too seriously, obviously, since no one was ever actually convicted of the crime. But yeah. actually, it should have been Edward Lander's summer visitor to his mother's home near the Moore Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, again, it, it, it's 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 hard to get anything usable when when yeah. all you have is a hunch. Just gro- unless... and gross
0: incompetence. Like you can't have a hundred people walk through a crime scene and expect to have any evidence.
1: Right, and I feel like the best evidence you have back then is you either see them commit the act, yeah, or you find a personal belonging of theirs, something at the scene. right that
0: ties into it. So let's get into a little bit of folk- uh, folklore about these okay. Velisca axe murders. Okay. Number one, the murderer was in the closet. Omaha, Nebraska, June 15th, 1912. (laughs) Mrs. Retta Johnson of this city, who accompanied Miss Minnie Moore, a sister of the murdered Joseph Moore to Villisca Monday, has returned from that place, quote, Had Mr. or Mrs. Moore looked into a closet, off from the room where the Stollinger girls slept, they would have seen the murderer and probably have prevented the crime, said Mrs. Johnson. Several bags of cotton batting found in the closet showed the marks of a man having sat and stood upon them.
1: this is fucking, that's hogwash, man. That tells me shit. I don't know, dude. Uh... Uh, I mean,
0: that's that's like one of the, the the big things is like this person was in the house the whole time.
1: I mean, maybe, but, like, eh, I don't know. I don't. I feel like that's just uh, – I feel like the evidence doesn't support it that well. Not you know a lot I mean? of evidence, right. Not a lot like, of evidence,
0: but if I it go was in a serial bathroom, killer or if it was um, <laughs> Langdon, what, what's his name? The fucking guy was visiting his mom. <laughs> yeah,
1: but, like, I can go in my bathroom right now and I'm going to find a footprint on my, on my fucking f- bath mat. It, it right. doesn't mean there's someone standing there waiting to kill me two seconds ago like
0: come on well mrs johnson says that the identity of the murderer may be determined by a piece of watch chain that was found in the bed where the stallinger girls was killed that we mentioned before it had been broken loose and is believed to have been torn by the larger of the girls who is thought to have struggled with her slayer no one can explain why an unoccupied bed in the front room had been made by mrs moore and yet never occupied continued Mrs. Johnson one theory is that they had an un unex- uh, uh, I'm sorry they had expected another party to stay all night with them but friends say this wasn't true
1: hmm.
0: maybe just and, having and I, a nice made bed i don't know
1: yeah i feel like that that chain is the only real evidence found at the scene and but i mean besides the bodies of course yeah. and like it's just such a nothing piece of evidence and yeah. of course the bacon is the other piece of evidence <laughs> <laughs> That's the biggest P. That's the biggest mystery. I hate you. All right.
0: <laughs> Folklore number two. Okay. Chris, have you ever seen Wild West? Wild Wild West? I have.
1: West? I have. All right. Do you get Will Smith on the cast?
0: No. No. We're not. He's not. No. No. <laughs> <laughs> Council Bluffs, Iowa. August 21st, 1912. C.M. Brown of Villisca, Iowa, who is in this city, declares that the detective at Vallisca working to solve the mystery in the recent murder of eight persons in Vallisca have obtained a photograph of the murderer from the retina of an eye of one of the Stollinger sisters. The girl circumstances at the time indicated was the only one of eight, all of whom were killed with a hatchet who had awakened during the attack. So yeah. remember that scene in Wild West when they have this guy's head chopped clean yeah. off and they throw a friggin' light bulb in it and then they spin it upside down.
1: Yeah, yeah. that's the, that's the thing. Hopefully they remember to spin it yeah. upside down because that was the big one. So <laughs> now we're going to have Will Smith actually phoning in, and he's going to go a little bit further into... We don't, te- we don't
0: have Will Smith. Oh. I've reached out to Will Smith's people. They've asked me to please stop contacting them.
1: <laughs> that's fair. That's <laughs> fair. I can, I can see that.
0: All right, so here are some accounts... From people who have been to the Velisca Axe Murder House. Over the following 90 years, the Velisca Axe Murder House had seven additional owners, including the Velisca State Savings and Loan, whose company name appears on the title from 1963 to 1971. In 1971, the house was titled to Kendrick and Vance, and only a month later, retitled to Darwin Kendrick, Mr. Kendrick renamed. The name on the title, I'm sorry, Mr. Kendrick remained the name on the title until the house was sold again to Rick and Vicky Sprague on January 1st, 1994. It was only a few months later that a real estate agent approached Darwin Lynn in hopes of interesting him in the property.
1: <laughs> is, <laughs> is this... Are, are you are you trying to sell this place? No, <laughs> you're just looking into the history of the house, so you know you know what to tell people. I
0: just I, as someone who is a licensed real estate salesperson in the state of Connecticut, I feel it was necessary that people know <laughs> the real estate <laughs> histories of this murder home.
1: That's fair. I, I all I could do when I read that I just laughed. I like cackled in the car the entire time, and I was just like, "This is only in here because Jr. is a real estate guy." <laughs> <laughs>
0: Maybe it is. Maybe it isn't. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe
1: no. I mean, it. It definitely it's is. Absolutely 100. It, yeah, it's interesting. But, but I just, I just thought it was silly. Today,
0: the home is filled with untold amounts of paranormal activity. Apparitions of both the children and the adults can be seen throughout the home. Strange sounds, screaming, and more can be heard. Thought to be one of the children who awoke before she was bludgeoned to death some guests have claimed to see random pools of blood on the floor however when they go to get help the blood mysteriously disappears ghost groups and psychics both confirm the house is haunted by the family and that they remain restless until their true killer is finally known even though their true killer is edward lander summer visitor to his mother's home near the moore house
1: The paranormal thing, man. It's just like, oh yeah, did everybody see all this stuff in there? Like, prove it. But you can't. Yeah. And well, if I had a, if I had a soundboard, I'd just play like a fart noise right now because that's how I feel. <laughs> all
0: right. Well, here is, um, because this this place is now you can tour the murder house, right? That's that's the whole point of this, and yeah. and kind of have a run in potentially with some paranormal activity. So what we're gonna do now is we're gonna play a little clip from the tour guide and have him tell you firsthand the things that he has actually experienced himself um, and, and what others have claimed to be experiencing.
2: I've done easily 300 overnights, five of the anniversaries, usually always alone. Never seen a ghost, I've seen doors open and close, objects move, chairs rock, heard the voices, caught the voices, Or overnights are, you know, we get a lot of return people and most of them yeah, I'm going to debunk, I don't buy into this and then something happens so they end up coming back again and again and again. What it is, I don't know. It's weird, it kind of creeps me out but at this point. The axe is left against the wall, raw <laughs> bacon on the floor, food at the table, Mirrors were covered with sheets, uh, bloody water, cigarette butts, footprints, tons of crime scene. And the big problem is by the time anyone really gets here that knows what they're doing, half the town spent the day kind of rummaging through the house. So right off the bat, you get this minister named Reverend Kelly coming in. This guy was a minister who thought he had to commit sins to get inspiration for sermons. He's nosing around this whole time, and finally in 1918, he confesses to the whole thing. But he said, a voice told him, rise, Peter, slay, and he uh, Went for a walk to study a sermon called Slay Utterly. Ends up across the street, followed a shadow to the shed. The shadow said, I am the door, hands him an axe. He walks in this door at 1 a.m., climbs Jacob's ladder to heaven. Ends up in the kids' room, voices said, suffer the children unto me. He goes, I killed everybody. And he's like, no, I didn't. Yes, I did. Maybe I did it. Maybe you did it. They tried him for the death of Lena. Ended with a hung jury. tried him for the death of Ina, full acquittal. So, about 105 years from now, later, we still have no clue. Some say the state senator, some say the minister, some say a drifter, some think there were two, some think they got hit in the attic. We don't know. By word of mouth, people were putting evidence on YouTube. Uh, Travel Channel Caught Wind did the top 10 most terrifying places in America, put it number one. And there came Paranormal State, Ghost Adventures, Ghost Lab, Dead Files, AE, Bio, Sci Fi, Travel Channel, uh, Women's Television, the movie Sinister. On and on and on, and we've never like solicited that end of anything. They've all contacted us, and we've turned down quite a few too. Just we don't want it to be corny and cheesy. You know, it's horrible what happened. So,
0: so that's the best part. You can actually stay at the murder house overnight. Nice. So I'm thinking that we start a Patreon and we start collecting money and the money will go to us being able to travel to different haunted places that we cover in this podcast and either do an episode from that place or experience it and then do an episode on what we've experienced.
1: Yeah, I mean, let's, I would be 100% down to stay at a place like that. Turn me into a believer, you know? That's what I'm saying. Like, yep. I just never experienced anything with paranormal. And, like, I'm open to the idea. Yep. I just never...
0: All I'm going to say is I'm not going without a CCL.
1: What's what's a CCL? Concealed, Concealed carry me. license. Oh. <laughs> you're gonna, <laughs> yeah, you're going you're gonna to pop a ghost in there, pal?
0: I, I, listen, I'm firing okay. one shot at any apparition I see, okay? okay. If it dies shouldn't have been trying to scare me if it doesn't die then chris is a believer
1: (laughs) it's it's i'm a believer and i need a new i need a new podcast buddy (laughs) (laughs) because
0: now i'm in jail in iowa for murder Self-defense, Jesus. dude. There's no way anybody taxed that on me. Are you kidding me? I'm yeah, paying no. to stay in a place, and somebody else is trying to fucking scare me because it's a murder house. No, I'm gonna shoot hey. you.
1: Yeah, no, that's fair. Yeah, come I could get me that. No, no one's gonna get you for that.
0: But that is the Velisca Axe Murder House, and that's all for this week's episode. So. If you, as always, have any urban legends or conspiracy theories that you think we should cover, please feel free to email us at the number four guys media network at gmail.com. Please make sure to subscribe and rate us on iTunes. Click the like and subscribe buttons on YouTube on the 4Guys Media Network page, or check us out on SoundCloud by searching M-I-O-H pod all one word. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next time on the Mystery in Our History podcast. Bye.
1: I'm going to go find that bacon. See you later.